This is the Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast, where life and business intersect. Hosted by Jennifer Glass, CEO of Business Growth Strategies International and BGSI Coaching. We are dedicated to your success. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business. On today's program, we're going to be talking about your narrative. A lot of people think their narrative is, well, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. I'm not good at that. The problem when you're thinking about your narrative and believing in the false narrative is that it has a really big potential to really drive you way off course. The problem when that happens is you end up not taking action. You end up being a victim of circumstance. You end up being in a position that you really don't want to find yourself in. And so on today's program, I've got a really incredible guest, and you're going to find out why in just a moment, why Tim is such an amazing person. Before I bring Tim on, though, let me share a little bit about Tim, just so that you know why he really is that great guy. In a world of boring leadership and strategy sessions, one man stands alone, connecting the complex strategies into easy-to-understand practical applications. The experience that, uh, sorry, Tim has been a contestant on Lego Master Season 2, and it afforded Tim the opportunity to share many of his life experiences, tying together the knowledge of leadership with the wisdom of action. Tim has owned his own business, worked in the corporate world, and built e-commerce companies into multi-million dollar businesses. The passion Tim truly holds, though, is how to inspire individuals to grow both in their personal and professional lives, to find their purpose and pursue it with all their energy. This impact on others is what motivates and drives Tim and his decisions and actions. Mr. Lego Master Tim, welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you. Thank you. We, uh, man, I, I love hearing that thing because it just kind of adds to that uh, uniqueness of, you know, in a world where <laughs> I just, it's so much fun to be able to do that, have fun be, and not take ourselves too seriously. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this conversation as well. Oh, absolutely. And I really want to thank you for being on the show. So let me ask you, just in terms of Lego Masters, I mean, to get on a show like Lego Masters takes a lot of focus. And again, your personal belief, your narrative yeah. is really involved in helping you say, I am someone who can get on the show or I'm someone who can't. Can you walk us through some of those ideas that were going through your own mind during the casting process for the show? It, it's interesting. Um because I talk about the narrative all the time and about how we craft our narratives and how there's a false narrative out there in the world versus what the real narrative is in our own minds and how we were created to be and how we were created to show up. Yeah, I'm victim of my own. <laughs> and this is, I talk out of experience and I, I want to share that because I am not perfect. So I would say this, especially as we walk through the, um, the application process, uh, I was on with my son, so we were a team. So both of us going, and we had this kind of a shared back and forth after we would do our different interviews. And I, to be quite frank with you, 
we never really truly expected to get on to the show. We didn't expect to actually be chosen to be on the show. And so after each of the interviews, we actually looked at that and said, well, I don't think we're going to go any further. And then we did. And uh, then we ended up actually being chosen to be on the show. But the one thing, and this is what really comes down to it. And this is what I told my son, as far as the practical and the action application of the narrative is no matter what, we're going to show up as our true selves. Because if they choose us, I want it to be based on the choice of the narrative that we've created, not the narrative that they wanted us to form or the narrative that they wanted to push upon us. Absolutely. And it's really important to be yourself because yeah. like you said, if you're not, then when somebody is going to be meeting you on video for the first time or on TV in this case, it's going to come off a little bit disjointed because you're going to be feeling uneasy about yourself and everything that you're going to be doing yep. is going to be coming off differently than if you were really yourself. Because think about like somebody who's dating, right? <laughs> the rules of dating, you have the first date and the second date, you're like absolute best behavior. And I know even, you know, for women, it's even what foods are you allowed to eat on the first or second date? And oh, which man. ones do you have to wait until much later? Right. Anything with sauce, anything that's going to get on your face, anything along those lines, you're certainly waiting until long into the relationship before there's any kind of, um, oh, my God, did I actually have something, you know, right here. Um, and so it's all of those kinds of things. And so your own narrative, even in the dating world, forget the business world, you kind of get all of those um, feelings in a way that's really impacting your ability to be your true self and to know is the other person the right one for you or not just because of this. And in business, it's really the same because when yeah. we're in business, we're right. You know, we're trying to figure out, is this the right person for me to do business with? Business is a relationship too. As one of my mentors said, you don't go over to a person in a coffee shop and say, I want to marry you the very first time you meet them, right? That's you so got to date them. You got to get it through is. that. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And if I may, because I'm just to kind of date myself, I, I've been married to my wife now. We're going on 27 years. So uh, I haven't been in the dating world very long, for a long, long time. Let me put it that way. And, and so I, even in this whole narrative aspect, one of the things, and this honestly permeates every part of my life, including the way that I've taught my kids about dating and the way that I approach dating. So this whole narrative thing, it's not something that is just that I talk about, but I actually live, breathe, and it's, it permeates every aspect. And so in the dating world, my brain in the dating world, when I was doing that thing back 30 years ago before the apps and everything else, I always wanted to, if I was going to date somebody, I wanted to be in their friend group first because I wanted to see how they treated everybody else before we were officially dating or before we were officially in a relationship. Cause just like you said, I mean, when you're in the, in the very first steps of the dating thing, you kind of put this facade on or you have certain rules that you have to adhere to. And again, it's socially acceptable, but if you were, if you knew that person, if you actually followed their narrative, as far as how they were acting with everybody else, and you were able to kind of work into their friend group. Now, take it with a grain of salt, because I know not everybody can do that. And it's, this is just, like I said, this is an example of how the narrative really, it permeates everything that I do. And whether it's the Lego master, or business, or my own personal life, it really comes down to, are you living authentically, and true to how you were created to live? Yeah, and it's very much, um, 
in that regard. And good for you, 27 years. I mean, brava, you know, that's incredible. Um, I was married to my ex for a little under 11 years and um, totally different story. But you really need to be thinking about how you are. So, Tim, let me ask you, when we're looking at crafting our narrative and getting rid of that negative piece of how we feel, we need to be looking at a lot of different areas as it relates to that process. Right. So I guess the first question is, if we're looking at crafting that narrative, how do we shut that voice up that's always in our minds saying you're not worthy or whatever it may be? And again, it's that imposter syndrome 100%. that a lot of us deal with. Yeah, and I would I would classify this, and I think we can take this conversation. I would classify it into two arenas. Uh, the first arena is your belief system that you have developed through your growing up years or your developmental stage. And quite frankly, from what I've read as far as scientific, and I'm not a psychologist or anything along those lines, but from what I've read, most of our beliefs are formed by the age of 10. In other words, we have the beliefs on how we live our lives and who we are and how we were created and all those things. Most of that belief has been formed by the age of 10. And therefore, if we look at it from that perspective, there are certain things. If you look at it from this way, let me, let me kind of rephrase this. When you look at it from this way, the family environment that you grew up in, you believe that every other family grew up in that exact same environment. Your neighbors are exactly the same way as the way that you were raised. If you move across the country, everybody that you move into that new community was raised exactly the same way that you were raised. And that's just not the way it is. Um, so I'll give you a, a good example of that kind of a belief. As I was growing up, I was taught and we, we basically did not celebrate our birthdays. It was just something that wasn't celebrated in our family. So I formed a belief very young that birthdays are not important. Fast forward, I get married, my wife, we have our first child. She goes out and she buys a bunch of decorations, spends a bunch of money. And the next thing I know, I'm just like, what, what the heck are you doing? We just spent a couple hundred dollars on birthdays. She's like, well, we always celebrate birthdays. So her family had a belief that birthdays were something special. It was a special day. You made that person feel special. And that I, it's such a minor example. But if we start to dig in, it, it starts to tell us and show us some of that core belief of who we are. And then again, it goes right directly towards the, uh, the self-confidence, that imposter syndrome. It all starts to speak towards that. So the biggest thing that we can do is to discover what it is that we believe about ourselves, what are those truths that we adopted throughout our age, and then you have to actually take that next step and discern, is that a true belief or is that a false belief? Or in other words, is that a true narrative or is it a false narrative? Because there was a really strong, hardworking ethic that I was raised in and under, and that's a true thing. That's a true belief. That's a true narrative where you give 110% when you're working. You be respectful. There's some really good things that came out of my growing up years that fed into my narrative that are true and that I want to keep. But I have to come to that point of saying, okay, I need to identify the circumstances, the situations that created this belief. And then as an adult, I basically go back and analyze, is that a true narrative or is that a false narrative? Is that something that I want to accept and keep into my life as I move forward? Or is it a false narrative that somebody else had that they were placing it on me? 
and there's there's a, I could go through a hundred examples of these kinds of things, but that arena, that first arena is the belief arena and and being able to identify those narratives that were spoken into your life all the way up through your development stages. So the development process, like you say, is really important, right? Between six and 10 is typically the ages when our beliefs are firmly um, set. And in terms of how do we deal with things? And it deals even, think about money as an example. Yeah. A lot of people, when we were young, if we didn't come from the millionaire, billionaire community, we had working class parents, we have a problem with money. We are so averse to money. We like having money because it allows us to do things, but we're afraid to ask for money. We're afraid to charge higher prices. We're afraid to do a lot of those things right. because of those limiting beliefs that right. we were taught subconsciously as kids. Correct. So when we're now adults and we're dealing with those fallouts of those beliefs, we need to remove those issues as well. And here's a really interesting way to think about this. And I want um, everyone who's listening, I want you to think about this for a moment. If you saw somebody holding a wad of money and they're kissing it and saying, I love money, I love money, I love money. Are you going to support them or are you going to feel turned off by that? My bet is that you probably feel turned off by that because, oh, that's disgusting. Why are they kissing money? How can they do that? It's inappropriate. I want to flip the table for a second, though. Somebody is kissing their kids and saying, I love my kids, I love my kids, I love my kids. You're going to completely be in support of that because we're taught we're supposed to love our family. We're supposed to love our children. And so if what you're dealing with is all of a sudden now, yeah, this is what I want, it's different. Where's the difference between family and money? Again, it goes back to that core belief that we had when we were kids. So like Tim, you were saying in terms of recognizing what some of those false beliefs are, some of those limiting narratives, false narratives that we have, we need to remove those obstacles in order to create new neural pathways for us to start having a better outcome, right? I, I 100%. But here's the challenge that I run into, especially when I talk to uh, individuals as I coach them and as I work through that is so often we throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? So we look at it from the perspective of all of the beliefs that we've had as a child. If we can't, if there's a one false narrative in that one piece, then we throw everything else that we've been taught by either our parents or society or whatever else is, but that's not the case. The case is the fact that there are a lot of good things in that. So we have to be careful as we're going and defining who we are, creating our narrative and crafting our narrative is that we don't just all of a sudden go, I call it going off the deep end where we just go completely on the other side of things. And we throw out some of the priorities and some of the moral responsibilities that we have as human beings. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's that's the one danger that I see a lot of times, especially in our society right now, as kids are maturing, 
it's almost like the pendulum has swung from one side to a completely to the other side. And that's not, that's not healthy either. You know, it's like no responsibility, all responsibility. Well, no, there's this happy medium between those two. And the same thing of the same thing comes in and in around the narrative that we're talking about. Um, so I'll, I'll use this other as an example. When we were on the, the Lego masters, the thing that really hit me hard in a way that it kind of just came front and center was the amount of producers that are actually involved in creating a show. And it's just the way that Hollywood works. You've got executives, you've got assistant producers, then you've got story producers, you've got a whole list. If you watch the end of the credits, you'll see all of the list of the producers. They're all there to build a story in and around what they want of you as a character, even though it's you know real live TV, real people, they're all there to build that character. Same thing in the movies. You have the wardrobe with the makeup and the I mean voice actor I mean there's so much stuff that goes into creating and crafting the narrative for a movie and yet we don't spend hardly any time crafting and creating our narrative that we need to be able to be fulfilled to live out the rest of our lives and I I, I want to be really clear about that because it's it this takes work this is not something that you wake up one day and suddenly it's just like yeah I got my narrative I know exactly what honestly takes years to kind of develop and work and then what we just talked about as far as the the belief patterns like you just said with the money that's been programmed into us and even if you completely want to break that a false narrative you'll find yourself going right back into that and you realize like oh this is something that i've been taught this is a belief that i've patterned and i've got for myself i mean i'm approaching almost 50 years i've got decades of patterns of actions. When something happens, I do this. When this happens, I do this. You know, and there's there's decades of that kind of framework in our belief systems that we have to look at and be careful and then constantly be readjusting. I'm not sure if that was exactly, so I apologize. I, I was trying to take what you're saying in the conversation and make sure that I, I, I added to it, but I, I'm not 100% sure I did that. <laughs> you definitely did, and it's really important. And you shared just in terms of, again, those neural synapses, right? right? This happened, you act that way, that happened, it produces another reaction. And again, it's because we are, our brains have evolved over time to act just like we know we see a red light and we're driving, we know it means stop, right? We see a green light, it means go. So our brains don't have to think, it's an immediate action. So our brains have evolved to accommodate for those reactions. And the problem is, like you're saying, with all of those false narratives, now we need to take a step back and we need to say, wait a second, I used to act this way when that happened, but I need now need to act a different way with the same stimuli exactly. that's happening. And so that's where those reactions and those narratives need to have that shift. So I guess when we're looking then, Tim, at how we get from here to there, right? If we're going to say, I'm glad, I'm glad you're asking I this. want, right. I want to find a way to say, I have to change something, Yeah. right? What is it that maybe even tells me that before we get to the how, what is it that tells me it's time to make that change? in that narrative and the belief that we have? Unfortunately, it's usually burnout or breakdown. 
And I, I hate to say that, but nine times out of 10, an individual has to experience the burnout, the breakdown of living a false narrative before they're able to identify the fact that they've been living under that false narrative. Uh, and this, this shows up in a lot of different ways. And again, this is uh, trying to bring awareness to some of the mental health aspects. And I am not a psychologist in any way, but I've seen so many examples of business owners, what I call imploding after they've had a successful business growth or a successful business year, because they haven't taken the time to be able to develop the foundational aspects of your, of your leadership and develop the foundational aspects of your narrative. And so they live underneath of this pressure. And unfortunately, so many times that burnout and that uh, breakdown happen. And unfortunately, that ends up being the, the trigger effect that starts this process of I need to do better, I need to be better. And it doesn't have to be a massive breakdown, but sometimes there are significant breakdowns in that. And I, I hate to say that, but unfortunately, that's how it is. So I wish we could get to a, a better thing, like a better trigger. I wish we could get to a point of saying, well, I see these signs happening. You just don't know how to read the signs when you're on that end of it. You don't, you don't understand that you're draining yourself emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. You don't realize you're doing that because you've bought into that false narrative. You believe that false narrative to be true, and therefore everything's going to work out right. So I, 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 wish I, I wish I had a different answer, but I really believe that to be the answer. <laughs> I think it's most similar to when you are seeing the horses in Central Park and they've got the blinders on so yeah. they can't see the cars and everything around there. Too many times we're going around as though we've got those blinders on ourselves and we don't know how to get out of our own way, like you said, until that breakdown or burnout happens. Yeah. But sometimes, though, I would even... Um, posit that it's possibly when you're really trying to just get out of certain habits. Yes. Right. If you think about it this way, we know that it takes about 30 days to make a habit take hold. A lot of times people do New Year's resolutions, right? I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to save more money. I'm going to go on more dates. I'm going to read more books. I'm going to whatever I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, right? There's so many things that we want to do. The problem is, though, is that too often we're making these in a vacuum. We're not accounting for life. We're not accounting yep. for all of these other situations. But when we also, though, look at what is it that we really want? What is it that we can really focus on? It doesn't have to be a breakdown or burnout as much as it is you have to want what it is that you want. And sometimes it's making that individual change and saying, I am going to commit to myself that for the next 30 days, I am going to be different. I am going to do something different from what I've been doing in the past. Yep. Because as the um, old saying goes, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Right. If you keep doing it, and it's not working, how is that gonna change, right? Yeah. Something's gotta give. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to a desire for clarity, 
right? So if we're going to say like, I, th I think that extreme case of like, like I just said, in regards to the breakdowns and that kind of thing, the other aspect and the minor thing that maybe, in, as I'm kind of talking this through with you, I, I love that aspect, but I really think just like you said, it's those blinders. So often we have blind spots. Again, how, some of it's created because of the belief system that we live in. And we didn't know that we were acting or hurting somebody in a way that that was what it was until somebody sheds a light on that blind spot. And suddenly now we're aware of it. So we can make that adjustment. That is clarity. Once you find that clarity and you realize that there's a challenge, now you have the ability to change and adjust that awareness, that, uh, that habit, that action in and around that awareness and finding that clarity. Um, but like I said, that, and I remember I said too, there's two arenas. So maybe this is a good time to transition before we go into the how. First, you have that belief system. But I would also, I would also say that the second piece of that is this social narrative that's been put upon us as well. And what I mean by that is if you, especially since the advent of Facebook, Instagram, you name it, all the different social medias out there, there has been one underlying theme that has been pressed upon us in and around the social world. And that is everybody's life is perfect. And so therefore, since everybody's life is perfect and mine is not, I need to keep my messes my challenges, my weaknesses, I need to keep all of those hit. And that narrative right there, I think, has had more damage to our society than any other uh, belief, narrative, or anything else. It's just that whole aspect of the way that we present ourselves out there on social media is all in and around that perfection. We only show the good times. We don't show the negative. We don't show the bad. And that le and I would I would even say this too, and I've done this in front of crowds. I would ask them, does anybody believe that? And everybody in their heads immediately knows that that's not true because everybody's got flaws. Everybody's got messes. Everybody's got all of these challenges that they deal with. But in our hearts, we believe that. And so therefore we don't share our messes. We don't share all of the challenges that we've been working through. And that creates this whole aspect of, if I can't share it, that means I'm the only one going through it, which means I'm alone. And that to me, Frankly, that's the biggest lie our society has ever placed on us is that you're the only one going through it. In fact, I would even contend and say that is the only lie that's going to destroy you. It's the only lie that's going to totally create a like a near death experience kind of a thing. So anyway, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to be too dramatic. But um, but yeah, that is that's the social aspect. And we have to be really careful about what we take in and what we believe and what we listen to from news and social media and outlets like that. We just, we've got too much of it. That's all, <laughs> you just have too much of it. I would even though take, a, take it a little bit further and say even before social media in that look at the beauty magazines, Agreed. look at Barbie, right? Barbie is a size zero. The beauty magazines, the photo, uh, airbrushing and everything that they do to make the models look perfect. It told, especially young girls, you have to look a certain way because otherwise you're not going to be the definition of pretty according to society. And so it creates even more of those anxiety provoking points that yeah, we become filled with. So um, even going back before social and even more now with social and you know, are you in with the right groups and how are you as kids even? I know that my kids, 
Do you have a cell phone? Do you not have a cell phone? Are you going to be in with the um, group chats from your classes? Are you going to be doing this? Or are you not doing that? And so all of these things become part of that narrative that ultimately leads to how does some of that happen? And how does some of that get to a certain point? So let's also look then when we're realizing that we need to make a change. We have that choice. We said, right, this is when we're going to do it. We burnt out. We broke down. We made that conscious decision. We're going to do something. How do we start making that life-altering change? Because that's really what it is. It's moving from here to here, a zigzag. And we have a huge 180-degree turn that sometimes we need to do. How do we even start? I, I frankly believe the number one step is finding somebody because I don't think that this is something that you are going to be able to do all in and of yourself. Remember, we talked about the blind spots and we talked about some of the beliefs and some of the things um, you're going to want to find a mentor. You're going to want to find somebody that is a little bit further down the road. And I know this sounds extreme in some cases, but the, the power of finding somebody that you trust and you resonate with that power gives you the ability to become and find the things that you need clarity on, to find the steps that you need to do to be able to take that action, to be able to do things. Now, I can give you some practices. I can give you some worksheets. I can do some of that. But in the end of the day, having an accountability, I'll call them accountability partner, but having somebody that's a mentor, somebody that's willing to speak into your life to allow you to grow is what gives, gives you the It's like having a great coach. A good coach, what they do is they draw the greatness out of you. That's what a good coach does. And so as as that coach draws that greatness out of you, that's why it's so important. And unfortunately, in our society today, we have a lot of gurus and coaches and mentors, and they're just in it for the buck. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody that has a deep faith in you as an individual that's going to inspire, encourage, and, and just build you up as an individual. That's that's the very very first step is finding that that mentor. I, I get you can use guru sherpa whatever you want to call them, but finding that individual that you can resonate and have that deep relationship with that will take you on this journey. And so that's really important in terms of having that guide. But here's the other thing to keep in mind also: if you're looking at losing weight. Don't look for somebody who is in the same point, like you were saying, Tim, a little bit ahead of where you are. You want to find someone who's going to really say, listen, I'm not going to accept your BS that you can't get out of bed this morning for us to go walking, right? I mean, look for the guy who's training for the marathon, not for the one who's 100 pounds overweight, just like you. If you want to stop smoking, don't team up with another smoker and say, we're going to quit together. You need to be with somebody who's at that end stage so that you see where you can get to, not where you are now. Because it's really easy to simply say, I'm not ready to take that step right now. And so a lot of things definitely start to be an issue as you're dealing with it and going from there. So now though that we have more of that how we're going to do it, And we know what the why is. We understand we need it for our health. We need it for our success. We need it for our future. We need it for the people around us. 
Right, as Simon yeah, Sinek says, I, I would say this. Why? Yeah, I, I would say this because this really sums it up, and I've used this like several times. When you're walking down your path, the path to success and the path to a nervous breakdown is separated by a razor thin line. It is very easy as you're walking down, doing the things that you're responsible for, doing the demands of every day, it's very easy to slip over that line into a nervous breakdown. And that's why it's so important to have the clarity in and around how you're crafting your narrative, what that success is gonna look like, who's gonna be along with you in that journey. All of those things that lead into our narrative You've got to be so careful on that and how you're developing and how you're actually walking down that road. And like you said, you got to find somebody that's already been there, right? It's already down that. And that's really the key takeaway, I think, from what we've been saying is, is really getting started, right? Zig Ziglar says you don't have to be great to get started, exactly. but you have to start to be great. If you know where you want to be, if you want to be more successful, if you want to be in a bigger house, you want to be in a better job, you want to whatever it is that you want, if it isn't something that you feel right now is there, you really want to be thinking, well, am I looking at the situation the right way, right? Like we were saying the false narrative. If we're looking at it in a way that's in a better position, now at least we have the, here's the key that we need. Now let's go unlock the door and see where we're going to go from there. So Tim, let me ask you, a lot of people right now that have been listening to our conversation are probably wondering, I want to find out more. I'm ready to take that next step. I'm just not sure how I can even figure out where's my block? What am I really not at? Where am I stuck on? How can they get more information? Well, um, the, the challenge that I have in, in and around this topic is that everybody's in a different place and everybody's able to accept different things at different times in their lives. Um, and we, we express this throughout the podcast. If you are at a position where you have had a breakdown, a nervous breakdown, I would recommend, first of all, getting some medical help or some mental help. So there's a there's an extreme difference between somebody that has already gone down and had this kind of a breakdown versus somebody that is just looking for clarity. And so I want to be really careful because by giving and saying, where's that next step, depending on where you're at in your journey, depending on the situation in your lives, you may be in different points. So I want you to take what I'm going to say, what I'm about to say, just as, okay, what is going to be best to fit for me? So, for example, one, if it's that extreme case or if there's been some situation where it's been a, an, a, um, like a really a truly a mental breakdown, then you need to find professional help. If it's, hey, I want more clarity, then what I would recommend is look specifically for a mentor, somebody that's willing to come alongside with you. If it's something that you're looking and saying, hey, I just want to be able to do that to, for myself. Put a plan together in regards to how you're going to educate yourself and grow in four specific areas. So when I teach, I talk about building blocks. And the very first building block is how do you build yourself? There are four pillars in that. First of all, you need to grow spiritually, mentally, physically, and socially. And those four areas, put a plan together that's saying, I am going to build my network this way. I'm going to plan my physical health this way. 
I'm going to teach and learn. So the mental growth this way, and then spiritually is your internal and you have to be able to listen to the internal part of you. And so often in our society, specifically, I'll even say men, I'll call men out. We don't listen to our souls. We don't listen to our internal, but we just keep going. You have to be willing to listen to those four areas. So let me sum that up. One, if you need it, find professional help. Two, if you have the means and the ability, find somebody that's a mentor, somebody that's a coach that can walk you through these life disciplines, this life growth. Three, if you want to do it on your own, focus on those four areas and, and put a plan together to be able to build those four areas. So, Tim, now that our listeners know what those steps are and those four areas that they need to be paying attention to, though, if somebody wants to reach out to you, What's oh. the best way for them to do that? <laughs> Was that how you asked the first question and I messed it up? <laughs> if they want to reach out directly to me, um, I do have contact forms on my website, timcroll.com. I'm also available on all the social channels. If you do a, uh, if you just do a search for me, I'm literally just about everywhere. Um, so Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, just spell my name out as T-I-M. And then the last name is C-R-O-L-L. If you go to the website, it's .com. You can find me on Facebook and all the other areas. Thank you. And so it's really important, again, to, to stress what Tim was saying. If you're in a position of distress now, seek the appropriate medical professional help uh, where appropriate. When you're ready to start making the change otherwise, what you really need to be doing, though, is looking at how you're going to be getting started. Very often, taking the thought of action is a lot to start, but if you don't take action, it's just thought, and that's the key. Yep. You yep. need to get started. As Wayne Gretzky says, just to throw another quote out there, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yep. So if you're not going to be getting started and you're not going to be willing to put the hard work in to make those changes, it's going to be really problematic in getting anywhere other than where you are right now. Yep. Again, like we said before, if you're stuck because you're seeing the same things and your neural synapse says, Somebody said something to you and the neural synapse says you're going to get all defensive in nature or you're going to withdraw and you're going to be hurt. Nothing is going to change if you don't make it happen. If you don't pay attention to certain other um, cues, same idea. And I know that it's very, very different, but I just want to draw a similarity to someone who's on the autism spectrum. If somebody is on the spectrum, they don't know necessarily if they're acting inappropriately unless somebody is reminding them that this is inappropriate behavior or that they need to be looking people more in the eye, as an example, that that is more the social cue. They may miss some of those emotional cues. They may not be empathetic. They may not be a lot of different things. You need to be looking at how you are and what you're doing and how that's going to make a difference. If you can be paying attention to it, you can be making a change. Again, 
You have to get started, though, to do that. So, Tim, I want to thank you once again for being my guest. I think that this was certainly a really incredible and enlightening conversation, and I'm sure that our listeners got a lot of benefit. And what I would even encourage you to do is go back and listen to this episode again. Now that you've heard it for what we discussed in the content, listen for the nuance. See if there's something that you can specifically find. What is it in what we discussed that can really start having a dramatic impact? Remember, Tim was saying the whole Lego Masters and being the uh, production master or the production... um, Executive production, and then you got assistance and story production, wardrobe production, makeup production. You got all kinds of production. (laughs) Right. All of these different pieces are really important in your story, right? Maybe different ways that you look at it, but at the end of the day, you've got your story and it's yours to tell. The challenge is go back, listen, see what you can do and see if you can become a better version of yourself. So Tim, again, thank you so much. Absolutely. That was great. Thank you. And until next time, this has been another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business. And here's to your success. This has been another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review liking us, or reaching out to us. You can contact us at bgsicoaching.com and let us know what you think. Thanks so much again for listening.